Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter 26 of Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Sam. And this week, we are doing our very first deep dive into the book. So this will be our Philosopher's slash Sorcerer's Stone episode. And to go along with our theme for this week, we decided that our drink of the week would be unicorn blood, as it ties in to the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone. But we chose this pretty much because everybody knows that unicorn blood was a big discovery that Harry had in the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, where he found out that unicorn blood would pretty much keep somebody alive, even though they were an inch from death, to quote friends, was it? Yes. The blood of a unicorn will keep you alive, even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You have slain something pure and defenseless to save yourself. And you will have but a half-life, a cursed life, from the moment the blood touches your lips. So, we are about to have a half-life, a cursed life, <laughs> Which honestly, while we get half-drunk. After drinking this drink, I understand. I mean, I don't know. So, we made it, we've played around <laughs> with the recipe a couple of times, and honestly, like, it's not, I, it's kind of growing on me, but I didn't put as much cherry stuff in it as Sam did. So, and I also have the orange bitters. Yeah, I don't have bitters. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, I'm drinking it because it's alcohol, and I'm kind of just wanting <laughs> it to my cherries at the bottom. So, yeah, see, I didn't put cherries in it. I'm not a cherry person. Um, so one tablespoon was enough for me. That's what we decided was the better uh, way to go with this recipe. So this recipe, we kind of just found like a base. Thing. And then we kind of made it our own, which was our first one that we've kind of made our own, which is, like, really fun because neither of us know how to craft cocktails. <laughs> See, so. for me, it's just very citrusy and very bitter with the gin and with the added yeah. orange bitters that I put in. And with, so the lemon juice and the orange from the bitters makes it very citrusy and then... It's, like, just bitter because gin is a bitter drink, in my opinion, or just, like, really dry. Mm -hmm. I do think, though, it goes with the name because, like, you're not expecting unicorn blood if you're going to live a cursed and half-life to be, like, super sweet and, like, the best thing you've ever tasted. Um, excuse me? I expect unicorn blood to taste like pure sugar and the best thing ever. (laughs) I didn't. I mean... I, I mean, not after reading the recipe, but, like, in my head, I was like, unicorn blood, they're, like, sparkly and pretty and perfect and beautiful, so that's what this drink should taste like. Yeah, but you're, like, killing them. It's like, you know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, now we are going to jump in to choose our January giveaway winner. Whoop, whoop. So a lot of you all entered this time. And so thank you for that. We had like literally 10 times the amount of entries for this one than we did the last one. So that's that's awesome. awesome. Look at us. (laughs) I didn't think it's going to be a good episode. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Alyssa Melick. You are the winner. Hey, Alyssa girl. Congrats. I believe you entered on Facebook. So we will be sending you a DM soon. So check your messages. But congratulations and thank you to everyone else who entered. Um, We'll have another one once we reach 500 followers on Instagram. So encourage your friends to follow us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, Alyssa. And thank you so much for entering and listening. Yes. Um. But now we will go into a quick round of Shag, Mary Kill before we take our deep diving plunge into Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. Um, and this is a particularly... Um, Gross one? You know, uncomfortable Shag, Mary Kill. <laughs> the last two have been. See, we didn't do this, and now we're doing, like, random people who are like, uh... Probably well, not. we're trying to, make it, trying to make it tie in a little bit. So a few of, like, the first people we meet in... 
Sorcerer's Stone in Harry's life are um, Mr. Dursley. Oh, gosh. And then Hagrid. <laughs> and then Professor Coral. Oh, so, I'm going to let you go first. Before he was possessed <laughs> by Voldemort or after? Like, does he have the turban? We only really know Quirrell with the turban, so. That's true. All right. Uh, kill Mr. Dursley, because I hate him. <laughs> um, Shag Haggard? Marry Quirrell? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's no winning here, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe Mary Haggard yeah. and Shag Quirrell. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah, go with yeah. that. So, that's, yeah, that's my answer. Um, kill Mr. Dursley, Shag Quirrell, and... Mary Hagrid. Yeah, I just find Mr. Dursley just to be absolutely repulsive. Not only because he's an asshole, right? But he's like, ugh. Everything about him is supposed to be gross. And he, Yeah, he's, he definitely is a repulsive person, and there's just nothing redeeming about him, really. Um, Quirrell, you know, it, it's just a one-time thing, so... <laughs> we all have those, like, one-time things, but we're not too proud that it happened, so... Yeah, we'll just write that off. And then Hagrid, at least, you know, he tries. He makes tea and stoats sandwiches and <laughs> is a nice person, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, with a good heart. Um, anyways, yeah. So we asked, rather than a poll question, we just wanted to know your favorite moments from the Philosopher slash Sorcerer's Stone. We're going to refer to it as the Sorcerer's Stone because that's how we grew up with that's, it. That will save us a lot of trouble going forward in the yeah. <laughs> remainder of I this episode. I just wanted to preface of why. We understand originally it was released as the Philosopher's Stone, but we're American, um, so <laughs> they dumbed it down for us. We're stupid. Even though we did read out of Philosopher's Stones. And here on out, I will at least be reading from my British versions because that's what I have. So, right. Anyway, our listeners' favorite moments, there are a lot of them, so I might not read all of them, but here are a few of them. Yeah, some um, of them overlap. Yeah. So, Christmas time at Hogwarts, the photo mm-hmm. album he received from Hagrid, the trio's first adventure, meeting Ron, troll, troll in the dungeon. <laughs> yes. Uh, Diagon Alley, Buying a Wand, Ollivanders, which, yes, his first Quidditch game. Um, this is probably my favorite one that we got because I really liked this as well. Where Dumbledore and Harry converse in front of the mirror of Erised, I felt like it really cemented their relationship and gives Dumbledore a chance to establish himself as someone who will mentor Harry, unlike other Mm -hmm. professors who will mention his violation of the school rules. Which, yeah, I mean, that's one huge thing I picked up on, too. Um, yeah. Especially reading it as an adult. Right. Um, when Harry gets his letter, buckle your seatbelt and get ready for a fun, <laughs> magical story. Um, you're a wizard, Harry. You're saying it wrong, Harry heard Hermione say. <laughs> it's Wingardium Leviosa. You say the gar nice and long. You do it, then, <laughs> if you're so clever, Ron snarled. Hermione rolled up the sleeves of her gown, flicked her wand, and said, Wingardium Leviosa. Their feather rose off the desk and hovered about four feet above their heads. Yes. Everyone loves a smart Hermione. Um, But, yeah. So, I mean, that was, I think, really cool because I read all of those while I was rereading. And Mm -hmm. it was a lot of the same moments I at least picked up on as, like, yeah, these are, like, the signature moments of this whole story yeah it's kind of nice because i know that like our listeners come from a lot of different places um Mm -hmm. so therefore probably you know i would assume because we have some listeners in germany and stuff that probably read this in german growing up but those are still like their you know favorite moments which i think is really nice yeah um so one moment from the books that is my favorite and i didn't hear mentioned is well I say it's my favorite, but it's really hard to narrow it down just to one moment, right? Yeah. As I was rereading, you know, I, I too, was, like, thinking, oh, yeah, the Quidditch game is so much fun, and the first magic moment when he's in Diagon Alley, and he's getting his wand, and he, like, feels special for the very first time in his life, you know? Um, all of that is great, but I think my favorite part of the book is after all of the main plot has subsided, and he wakes up in the hospital wing, 
and he has that conversation with Dumbledore where he's getting all of his questions answered and you know Hagrid brings him the photo album and then pretty much that's just last chapter of the book is my favorite yeah because like that happens and he's like safe for now in his mind you know and then they have the last feast of the year and Gryffindor wins the house cup and I remember reading that Harry feels in that moment like that that was the best time all year was winning like nothing could top that winning the house cup like he even mentions like Quidditch and first coming to school and then just knowing that they won that he just felt so happy so that's when I was like you know what I'm proud of you, boo. This is my favorite moment, too. <laughs> you survived. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Look at you. You made friends. You're thriving. So. <laughs> He's living his best life. He is. If only we could all be like Harry. Yes. All right. So our deep dive is going to be a little different than other Harry Potter podcast deep dives. Um, we're not going to go chapter by chapter. Um, we are going to go chronologically, obviously. Um, but... We just think that, make it a little different, we'll just do an overview, um, but pick out some pivotal moments, and then also, we'll keep the comparisons for the movie at a later episode, where we're going to compare them both. Um, right. So, yeah. Do you want to start us off, Sam? Um, yeah. So, my first note started on page one, but <laughs> I'll save that for the movie comparison episode. Um. Then I moved on to, on page five, when um, we're, we're following Mr. Dursley around, and he just went and got, like, a sandwich next door at the bakery or something, and he almost knocked this little wizard guy to the ground, and he thought that he was going to be pissed at him, but the little wizard was just like, don't be sorry, my dear sir, for nothing could upset me today. Rejoice, for you know who is gone at last. Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating. This is a happy, happy day. And the old man hugged Mr. Dursley around the middle and walked off. Mr. Dursley stood rooted to the spot. He had been hugged by a complete stranger. He also thought that he had been called a muggle, whatever that was. So I wrote this down because I was just like, you know, I kind of feel like muggle is something that mr dursley would know what it means definitely he tries to pretend like he doesn't have anything to do with like the wizarding world and doesn't know shit about it but his wife is the sister of a witch there's no way that like petunia didn't know what a muggle was because i'm sure lily told her so i feel like yeah so i feel like that's something that has interchanged before and like he should definitely know yeah for sure I picked up on that, too. Something that, you know, again, at the beginning stood out to me was when Dumbledore is coming to drop off Harry, or to meet with Hagrid to jump off Harry, um, and he uses a deluminator, which uh, J.K. Rowling calls a put-outer then. Yeah. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, like, when I first read this as a child, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I guess... (laughs) Like, I knew that he had that, but I guess I, like, just now it's registering with me. Like, oh, he used that, like, in the first chapter. Like, she puts Mm -hmm. these clues in, like, for literally everything. Like, everything. She had it all thought out. She knew. Right. I just think it's interesting that even, like, the put-outer thing (laughs) was, you know, already planned out. Yeah. And then I also have... A quote by him um, that was just about because McGonagall shuddered at him saying Voldemort. And he said, I have never seen any reason to be frightened of saying Voldemort's name. Um, And I think this is like the first time really that you're shown the effect that Voldemort had on everyone. But also the fact that really, if you think about it, only Dumbledore and Harry are the people who will say his name. Right, and this is also just, like, establishing the pattern we see going forward every single time someone says his name. Dumbledore and Harry are the only people, except for Hermione, towards the end of the series in the seventh book, who will say Voldemort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just, this is the first time that he's established himself as the person who is not afraid of Voldemort. Yeah. Um, So I had, on page 14 of the first chapter of Boy Who Lived, Dumbledore says that, you know, he's trying to explain to McGonagall why he's putting him with the Dursleys. 
Exactly, said Dumbledore, looking very seriously over the top of his half-moon glasses. It would be enough to turn any boy's head. Famous before he can walk and talk. Famous for something he won't even remember. So when I read that, um, that kind of brought to mind the theory that we talked about earlier about the not remembering his parents dying thing. So part of me thinks that, like, if Dumbledore thinks that Harry (laughs) wouldn't be able to remember what happened to him, then that just, like, solidifies that theory that it was the Horcrux inside of Harry that remembered what happened. I definitely agree with that. I, But also, like, could you, like, I was, you know, while rereading it, I'm like, oh, yeah, as a kid, like, you know, you're like, why did he put him with the Dursleys? Like, whatever. But as an adult, looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, he would have turned out just like Malfoy. Yeah. I, but also, like, who would have raised him? Like, <laughs> maybe Lupin. So then he wouldn't have turned out like Malfoy. But I don't know. So I guess maybe we should skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> Although, I will say this. Mrs. Fig gets shouted out on page 23 for the first time. And she's an important character. So, Mm -hmm. she deserves recognition, although Harry hates her, (laughs) so. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, then he's getting all those letters, and they're dodging them, and we all know what happens. Um, for, you know, chapter four, Keeper of the Keys, I think we saw a lot of Hagrid's character that I won't elaborate too much because it's a movie thing, but that we don't get to see. He's so Mm -hmm. protective, of Harry. And he also just, like, doesn't give a shit. Like, they spend the night in that cabin with them. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, I just... So I, what I, are I they gonna do? Yeah. He's not afraid of them. And then I have written, on page 55 is when he officially gets his Hogwarts letter, and I said, we're going to Hogwarts, y'all, so let's do it. Um, <laughs> and then him explaining what happened to Lily and James, and then also his scar... Um, and we learned, actually, and we posted this on our Twitter page, that his scar is not only just a lightning bolt, it is the wand motion for the killing curse for Avada Kedavra. So, that's cool. Yeah, Um, that's insane. Yeah. But he also has this quote on page 62, um, that I think is a bit of foreshadowing, um, and it's a common quote that everyone's gonna know but most of us reckon he's still out there somewhere but lost his powers too weak to carry on because something about you finished him harry there was something going on that night he hadn't counted on i don't know what it was no one does but something about you stumped him but you know so he says this about voldemort and i think that he also is like not convinced he's defeated in that chapter um yeah definitely yeah, that, I don't know. That was interesting that, like, even Hagrid's like, oh, yeah, he's coming back. We don't know when, right. but he's coming back. So. Yeah. yeah. And then when they move on to Diagon Alley, um, we see a lot more of Hagrid, too, and I think more foreshadowing mm-hmm. um, because they're on their way to Gringotts to get Harry's money. And he's telling Harry that anyone be, would be mad to rob Gringotts Um, because it's the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. Um, So I feel like that is, like, super foreshadowing for the Horcrux and, like, probably should have been number one on Harry's list when thinking of where would somebody hide a Horcrux, where are the safest places for Hogwarts and for Gringotts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were going to hide a Horcrux somewhere, wouldn't you want it to be in one of the two safest places in the world? Um, and then also, obviously, foreshadowing to when the Sorcerer's Stone was removed from that. And then I also had, I think it was on the next page. Well, he says that he, Hagrid says, blimey, I would like a dragon. So that also is foreshadowing to later in the book when he gets the little Norbert. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And then I also had a question. So I wrote down a couple of questions throughout. So my first question is, does Gringotts have a currency exchange for muggles? Like, because say, like, Hermione, you know, is going to Hogwarts and she needs to buy all of her things. Like, you can't really find those in a muggle shop. So first yeah. of all, for muggle-borns, do they, like, send a separate letter of how to get to Diagon Alley? 
and like how to exchange your money or like how does that even work? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question that I never thought about before. Like Harry, oh, he got his letter and it he didn't he's not a muggle-born, but it didn't give him any instructions. So we have to assume that like before Hagrid wasn't going to go get him. It was when they knew that his letters weren't reaching him. Yeah. So if that's the case and we were kind of treating Harry as like a muggle-born in this scenario, and no, they didn't get, offer you anything to help you out. Yeah. So then like, I have another one later when we get to platform nine and three quarters. But yeah, like that's my first question is like how is <laughs> like Dean Thomas and Hermione, how are they supposed to know? <laughs> like where, where do I get this stuff? Yeah, that's a really good point. So then um, Harry moves on to Ollivanders. Are you cool with going there? Yeah, I had something about Malfoy, but it's not important. Oh, I do have, um, real quick, before we go to Ollivander's, um, the Hagrid house theory that we presented on one of our episodes, he Mm -hmm. is quoted saying, because this was after um, Harry's run-in with Malfoy, who's not introduced, but, like, he doesn't need to be introduced. Like, you just know, like, this is an important character. Um, Mm -hmm. Hagrid says, better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, so... Yeah, but he also calls them a lot of duffers, so, you know, cool, Hagrid. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So then Harry moves on to get his wand from Mr. Ollivander, mm-hmm. and I really love this entire part, right? Um, yeah. And, I mean, Mr. Ollivander's, like, kind of creepy, and he's like, I remember everyone I've ever sold, and um, I think there's definitely some foreshadowing in this little section um and one thing that i wrote down is when harry gets his wand red and gold sparks fly out of his wand and i don't know if that's just me being like i never noticed that i even noticed that this time so i feel like maybe that's foreshadowing that like "Hmm, he's gonna be a gryffindor i like that and i mean it could have be it could be just because he has the phoenix tail feather but i was like you know, he was so worried about being in Slytherin, and his wand kind of just showed him he's going to be in Gryffindor. Or at least that's how I took it. Nice. I didn't even catch that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool to think about. I wonder mm-hmm. if, you know, Malfoy saw green and silver. He probably did. Yeah. Knowing that kid. I don't know. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's just, like, the sparks that your wand shoots out no matter what. I don't know. But I decided to read into that. (laughs) After rereading this, I was just like, dude, I hate Malfoy. Like, before I was like, oh, whatever, he's just a background character. But, like, I seriously hate him. Mm -hmm. So I have a question, too, from Ollivander's Mm -hmm. shop. And my question is, did Harry get the wand that he did... And he had a connection with that wand because he had that eighth of Voldemort's soul inside of him. And that's the reason why he was drawn to the wand that was like a brother to Voldemort's wand. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I feel like definitely part of it was probably because of that. But I think part of it, too, was because even before he became the accidental Horcrux, right, um, he was still connected to Voldemort, or yeah, to Voldemort through the prophecy. So right. I feel like maybe so it, it might not have even mattered. Yeah. Either way, that was his destined his wand. His destined wand was, of course, the one that was tied to Voldemort. Even though, like, there was no really, there might not even be a rhyme or reason, right? It's just like they there were only two feathers. They were tied together. Therefore, they get them. But I think that's a good point. That maybe that's why. I think it could be either right i'm just drawing so many connections now just because yeah. of the horcrux thing well really like going back and rereading like honestly i mean yeah you'd miss a lot but like the, going and reading this i would be you know curious to see if you could read the sorcerer's stone and then read the deathly hollows and pick up on even more yeah because i feel like a lot there's a lot of hidden stuff And I think this is like the 10th time I've read this book, maybe more than that. And I still am picking up on things. Yeah, I know. And it's different, like, when you're reading for pleasure. Like, of course, I'm still going to enjoy reading. But now that I'm reading, like, looking for things, I'm like, holy shit, this woman is a genius. Yeah, she had it all (laughs) figured out, man. All of it. 
All right. Except for <laughs> when we move on to platform nine and three quarters, one thing that really bothered me and stuck out to me is um, when Harry is pushing his trolley, the, like the jerseys have trapped him off, and he's like, okay, I just need to get to my platform. And his heart is hammering, and um, he's following the Weasleys because he heard them say muggle. So he's like, okay, they can like kind of show me what's up. And Molly says, now what's the platform number? And yes, I, was like, I caught that too. Fuck, bitch, you don't know what the platform number is? Like, this woman <laughs> has so many children. She's been going to the same platform for years and years. She she went to the same platform herself when she was know? a student. Yeah. Pretty I, sure it doesn't change every year. I caught on to that too. Yeah. That was something I was just like, Mm, that might be something that JK didn't really think out. Yeah. But or maybe she's just feeling scatterbrained and she was like, "Ugh, what is it? Like I don't want to think about it." That's true too. Like she has a lot to deal with. But even still, you'd think it would be like an innate thing at this point because she now has had six children go to Hogwarts with Ron and herself. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it would just be muscle memory as soon as you get to King's Cross, you just walk straight there. Like you don't have to look for it. You know where you're going. Yeah. And if you don't, at least your body does. Or your kids who go there every year. So. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. Also, my question was, clearly nine and three quarters is mind-blowing for muggles. So how do muggle-borns get onto the platform their first time? Because there's not a Mrs. Weasley for every muggle child. So, like. Right. Again, how did Hermione be like, oh, I'm supposed to run at this brick wall? And <laughs> There's got to be some sort of explanation. Yeah, there letter. has to be, like, another letter that they get that's like, yeah. don't be alarmed. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe, um, so they get their letter in, I guess, like, July, right? That, hey, you're coming to Hogwarts in September. Yeah. And then there's, like some time in between there's like a month in between so maybe they get their initial letter like here's your shit that you need to get and then they get another letter that's like okay this is how you're gonna do it yeah like later after they've had time and then harry just didn't get that letter because hagrid already told him everything he needed to know maybe and they knew that like the letter wouldn't really get to him anyways yeah maybe i don't know all I know is there there has to be some kind of explanation for these poor muggle kids. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I agree. I'd be like, oh, well, shit, they gave me the wrong platform. I definitely agree. So, I don't know. But then he meets the Weasleys, um, and Fred and George, I forgot how, like, wonderful they are, just, like, straight off the bat. Like, they, like, help mm-hmm. him get his trunk up, and then they go back out to say goodbye to their mom. Like, they're mm-hmm. just great. And then Ron is, you know, he's not described as Rupert Grint, but really no one else <laughs> could play Ron. Um, but I, don't I mean, know. none of the trio is described really as how they're supposed no, to look. No. So I, Emma Watson's the closest, but um, she's not really like bushy haired and like she's supposed to be super plain. And Emma Watson's fucking hot. That's so true. I don't know about that. But anyway, so they meet Ron and. You know, they're, like, gorging themselves on candy, and because Ron does that anyway. Um, it's, like, his favorite thing to do. And there it is, in plain sight, Dumbledore's chocolate frog that mentions Grunewald and Flamel. Mm-hmm. So there's the mm-hmm. answer to a lot of things. Right All there. of their questions, right there. And then, you know, they get to Hogwarts, and Harry is all nervous about the sorting, mm-hmm. which... You know, I feel that. And so is literally everyone else. Like, even down to Ron, whose whole family, historically, has been sorted into Gryffindor. And he's so convinced that there's going to be a problem. And, I don't know. I just feel for Ron a lot. Because he has so much to live up to. And I feel like, you know, in the book, he's, like, explicitly says why. And he's like, you know, like, they were head boy. And, like, Percy's a prefect. And... Fred and George are super funny, and everyone loves them, and they're really smart, too. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. and I'm Ron. But I have a lot to prove. Ronald Weasley. Yeah. He downplays himself, though, I feel. A lot. Um, but then they sing the school song on page <laughs> 136 and 137, which I think they should sing in every single movie. Um, 
And Dumbledore, I think we see his first playful side because he tells him to pick the melody at which they want to sing. Yes, I love that part. Um, And then Fred and George, of course, sing it as a funeral march. And he conducts them and has fun with them. And I think that that just kind of is, again, a bit of foreshadowing to see that he's not going to be like the typical, you know, professor who they need to abide by the rules. He encourages the Weasley twins to be themselves. And I think that that's, like, super important to see up front that, like, Dumbledore, because he's so impressive, right? And he could be, like, very scary. And he's not. He's just, like, joyful and wants to have fun. So, yeah. So then after this like great day of like making all these friends and having this feast and everything, Harry has his first Voldemort dream without knowing it's a Voldemort dream. So basically he was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling him he must transfer to Slytherin at once because it was his destiny. Harry told the turban he didn't want to be in Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier. He tried to pull it off, but it tightened painfully. And there was Malfoy laughing at him as he struggled with it. Then Malfoy turned into the hook-nosed teacher Snape, whose laugh became high and cold. There was a burst of green light, and Harry woke, sweating and shaking. So this is like a common thing that we'll keep seeing. But that was his first kind of like Voldemort is in his head. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Do you think that's like his conscious telling him that like Voldemort is there or do you think that's like Voldemort getting into his mind I think because you know he saw Quirrell and when Quirrell's head was turned to him his scar started hurting and he thought it was because of Snape but I think that that's the first time Voldemort gets into his brain and it's like yeah we're some like on purpose yes yes yeah and I think that's like a pivotal moment because like knowing like the high pitched laugh, that's Voldemort's laugh. That's not Snape's. Right. We know yeah, that, yeah. right? But like he doesn't know that. So yeah, I think that's it's just true. very interesting because it's his first night at Hogwarts and Voldemort's already interfering. So Yeah. Um, so, you know, speaking of Coral, I wrote down that there is a part on page one forty one in chapter eight the potions master pretty quickly into the chapter where um harry and ron are um getting lost and they can't find their way to the classes and filch found them trying to force their way through a door which was unluckily turned out to be the entrance to the outbounds corridor on the third floor he wouldn't believe they were lost and was sure they were trying to break into it on purpose and was threatening to lock them into the dungeons when they were rescued by professor quirrell who was passing and i was like oh coincidence i think not (laughs) (laughs) so i just wrote that down because i was like well y'all you should have known it was quarrel from the very beginning he's just lurking around yeah out of bounds corridor that's a good point i didn't even notice that i this time either was that you know you we should have known like looking back on it like there are so many signs and then Mm -hmm. I don't know, but they she really does paint Snape as the villain. And I think that's why, like, it's really hard for me now to accept that he wasn't. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Um, so <laughs> Harry finds out that he is a natural at flying. Uh, McGonagall tells him that it was because his father was on the Quidditch team, um, which I quite like, and I noticed a lot more this time. He is a mini James. He really is. And Ron is his, like, serious. serious. Yeah, slash Lupin. Like, because he's broody. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I'm, like, rereading this, I'm like, he really is a mini James. Like, he gets in trouble. He's mischievous. He he does okay in classes, but he's not top of his class. Like, I feel like his mom was more like a Hermione type, top of her class, mm-hmm. like super bright. Um, so, like, that was kind of fun to read from that perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, like, going on with their classes, and then... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that aren't in the movie, but we'll get to that next episode because we still have a lot to get through here. Yes. Um. And then Hermione becomes their friend because, quote-unquote, there are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and Mm -hmm. knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. So (laughs) I would agree with that. 
Um, yeah. So we get to see him play Quidditch. He catches the snitch in his mouth, which who would have thought this would be important, but it is. It's definitely pivotal. Um, yeah. He gets the invisibility cloak. They have their first Christmas. The mirror of Erised happens. Which we've already talked about how that was important. I did point out, though, um, in my notes, that Dumbledore says that he should take his admirable cloak and go back to the common room or back to the Mm -hmm. tower. So he's already pointing out that this cloak is, like, very... I mean, yeah, it's special. It's an invisibility cloak. But, like, there's something extra special about this. Well, also, I think it's, like, he knows that Harry's going to use it, yes, to, like, sneak out and be out of bed whenever he's not supposed to and use it basically always to break the rules, but he's doing it for an admirable reason 90% of the time. Yeah, true. So, yeah, then we go into the whole dragon thing with Hagrid, and Hagrid keeps, you know, saying things that he shouldn't and giving the kids clues <laughs> to um, what's hidden. And <laughs> Basically, this is, like, Dumbledore's mistake. Like, you probably shouldn't tell Hagrid about, like, the and most secret so thing ever. And it's so sad because he was so happy that Dumbledore trusted him with that. Like, you know, he said that multiple times. I know, oh, but yeah, he's I'm just, doing like, a special errand for Dumbledore. He so trusts me. So sweet and, like just wants to be and he just like doesn't have a filter so i know well he's like one of those he's like a humble bragger a little bit yeah for sure Uh, but i love him but anyways so they find out that hagrid has a dragon and malfoy finds out and they get detention except um it's harry hermione neville and malfoy who get detention yes And then, of course, we go into the Forbidden Forest for them to serve their detention, and we meet centaurs for the first time, and we meet the unicorn and unicorn blood, which we are now sipping on. I'm pretty close to finished with my unicorn blood, by the way. Are you half drunk? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm half done. (laughs) Not yet half drunk. But, um, and then there was something that the centaurs said that, I don't think I wrote down, but I think just, like, the fact that they, they, like, don't really know how to read Harry's, like, stars or whatever, and they just know that there's gonna be a lot to come with him, and they tell him that. Yeah. They basically, like, foreshadow, I thought at least, that Voldemort or something bad is coming back. Yeah, definitely. And that, like, he's gonna have a rough time. Yeah. Basically, you're fucked, so have fun. Yeah. Yeah, we'll save you this time, but can't promise we can save you forever. And then, you know, Charlie Weasley saves the day. Well, I guess his friends save the day and take Norbert. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dumbledore gives Harry's cloak back to him with a note that says, just in case. Yep. So, like, this <laughs> this guy, that's, like, the only thing I feel that's, like, super problematic with Dumbledore is, like, <laughs> Harry is 11. Like, He's, you're just like being, oh yeah, that's fine. Go play with a three-headed dog. Go put yourself in mortal peril. Just go. It's fine. I know, and that's like something that I wrote down at the end of the book too. Because um, Harry's like, I think Dumbledore wanted me to have a chance to fight Voldemort. And I'm Hermione's like, like what really? the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Harry, you're you're good, but you're not that good. You're still a child. Yeah, he's 11. I don't know. That's one thing that this time rereading, I was like, he... He's so young. Like, why couldn't you do it? Like, I get that it needed to be Harry, or there wouldn't be a story. But, yeah. Right. Potentially problematic. So then to um, kind of breeze through a little bit, um, they find out who Flamel is, finally. Yes. And they put it together, and Harry's he has, like, the aha moment where he's like, oh, it must have been the stone that Hagrid took from Gringotts. Now we know what Snape's after, so they think... Um, and then Harry, he just knows that Voldemort is using the stone to get eternal life or whatever so that he can come back and defeat Harry. So Harry, like, has a fire lit under his ass and is like, okay, we gotta stop this. We have to get the stone before Snape does. Yes. And, um, Harry, or Ron and Hermione are just like, well, we should probably wait for Dumbledore. We should study. And I think my favorite thing 
of this book is this quote of them. It's like after they're taking their exams, right? Like Harry's like super stressed out about Voldemort. And the other two are like, yeah, whatever. Like Dumbledore will take care of it. Like we're safe as long as Dumbledore's here. And this is the quote. In the years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. That's the whole series. Yeah. Like, every single year this happens That's his entire life. How does he pass his exams? Like, I probably wouldn't even be able to pass. And, like, I'm not expecting the person who killed my parents to come through the door. Yeah. But then his scar, like, will not stop hurting. And he Mm -hmm. takes it as a warning. And then he has his first hairy rage moment at Ron yes. and Hermione. Yes, I wrote this down. Are you on page 290? Yes, ma'am. Do you want to read it? <laughs> <laughs> if you want, only because I've no- I have noticed something that I really love about his rage moment. Yeah, um, go for it. So I'm going to start. It's like in the middle of the page where Harry is shouting, So what? Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Foreshadowing. Losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have done because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight, and nothing you two is you say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents. Remember, he glared at them. Um, so, real quick, <laughs> before I get into anything else about this, my favorite part is that when Harry says he's never going over to the dark side, dark side is capitalized like a proper noun. <laughs> the D and the S is capitalized. And I'm like J.K. Rowling. Were you watching Star Wars? She was watching because Star Wars while she was typing. I'm like, this is so like an Anakin rebelling against the Emperor moment yeah. right here. I killed them. And I slaughtered I them. can't get over it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I was just like, why else would that be capitalized? It's not like they mentioned the dark side ever in this book I just before feel now. Like this is like so hairy, this moment right here, where he's like, hello, like y'all have nothing to lose. He you really need to sort family. out your priorities. Yeah, he's like, really? <laughs> Because Ron's just like, let's relax. We finished our exams. <laughs> like, and Harry's yeah. like, no. It's like, we don't want to lose any more house points than we already have. Yeah. But, but you know. Yeah, I love his little rage moment. Like, little emo Harry. He has his rage moments. But, you know, they're usually worthwhile. <laughs> because it it matters more to him than everybody else. I'm going to remind you, you that know. you said that. Come Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> I'm just going to remind you that you said that. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. So then they go down the trapdoor. Um cuz they both are on his side after that. Hermione basically convinces Ron um cuz Hermione's like, "Well, yeah, of course. Duh. I'm so sorry." Um So yeah, then he they go through all the trials and they both are shine or oh, they're all three shining. Um, in mm-hmm. different ways. Which, you know, it's important that all three of them did that in the yes. book, at yes. least. Because then you see, like, you're like, yeah, like, everyone is gifted in their own way, and that's cool. And, like, you can help each other out. And I think that's so and important. He, he wouldn't have gotten there he without them. He would not have gotten there without them. You're absolutely correct. Um, and I think, keeping in mind also, this is a children's story. And I think that that is important for children to learn is that Mm -hmm. you need, first of all, you need some good friends who are loyal and willing to literally risk their lives at 11. Maybe not that extreme, but we get it. (laughs) We get the theme. And then that like everyone's gifted in their own way. So, you know, I think that's cool. And then, yeah, he finds out it wasn't Snape. Um, It's actually Professor Quirrell. And my favorite it thing was is you. when he's like, yeah, it was you. And then Coral's like, who were you expecting? And he tells him he was expecting Snape. And Coral says, he was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know? They loathed each other, but not enough for him to kill you. And I, I just feel like mm-hmm. that's, again, foreshadowing of, like, this is going to come up later. Like, you need to remember this. Um, so. Yeah. Then he defeats him because 
He literally makes him die. <laughs> well, not die, but well, get yeah, seriously no. injured. And it's funny that um, I guess for me, I'm just wondering. Um, it was something that kind of stuck with me, and I don't know if it's just like something I never picked up on before. I never really thought about, but why was Coral trying to kill him? Because, like, yeah, I know he's being possessed, his body's possessed by Voldemort, but Voldemort knows that he has to be the one to kill him. That's the whole premise of the prophecy. Yeah, but Voldemort kept telling him to kill him. Yeah, so that's my thing. It's like, why would you be telling him to kill him? So maybe he doesn't know the full prophecy? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because he's literally just like, kill him, kill him. Uh, So, and then... Another thing that I had was, you know, Voldemort says that he's just, like, a vapor of himself. So, if Harry was a horcrux then, which he was, you would think that the vapor or shadow self of Voldemort would be able to sense that a piece of his soul was inside of Harry. So, why didn't Voldemort, you know, first recognize that Harry was a horcrux? Because I would think that, like, if you're that weak you would sense another piece of your soul nearby and like be drawn to it so one he didn't pick up on that and then you know Voldemort gets out of Coral's body and I guess flees because Dumbledore's there um but before Dumbledore got there I feel like he could have left Coral's body not that like he I want him to but he could have left Coral's body and went into Harry's and then he would have had the stone and Harry and just Harry's body. Right. Because technically, like, he could have just overtook the part of Harry's soul that was Harry's soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but, yeah. So then he wakes up to Dumbledore um, in the hospital wing. And Dumbledore mm-hmm. tells him that Flamel's going to die, which is fine because he's, like, a million years old. Um, you know, Harry's, like, so concerned about that. And he's like, he's like, dude, like, it's fine. He's really old. Um, But something that stood out to me a lot was this passage. Um, So here we go. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly because it made his head hurt. Then he said, sir, there are some things I'd like to know, if you can tell me. Things I want to know the truth about. The truth, Dumbledore sighed. It is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer Mm -hmm. your questions unless I have a very good reason not to. (laughs) Okay. In which case, I beg you'll forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said that he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him from killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you asked me, I could not tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it from your mind for now, Harry. When you're older, I know you hate to hear this. When you are ready, you will know. And Harry knew it would be no good to argue. Why couldn't, wouldn't Quirrell touch me? Your mother died to save you. If there was one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. So, right here is like, Harry's asking the question that he's going to keep asking for six books. Mm -hmm. Right here. So... I just think it's so interesting, too, of, like, Dumbledore's, like, ask me anything. And then he's, like, not that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I think also just, like, the first part of that passage where he's saying, like, the truth is such, like, a delicate thing and dangerous thing um, kind of shows us that, like, Dumbledore keeps little truth tidbits to himself this entire series because he knows how dangerous it is. And that's also yeah. why he's protecting Harry by not telling him the truth. The entire series, even after he dies, there's still stuff that Harry doesn't know um, the truth about. So yeah, I think that sure. just kind of sets that up right there, that this is what we're going to expect from Dumbledore. But yeah, I really like that part just when Harry was getting his questions answered, which is probably why it's one of my favorite parts of the book. And um, he has that like tender moment with Dumbledore where Dumbledore like, suddenly gets very fascinated by a bird at the window so Harry can dry his eyes because what Dumbledore was saying was very touching and saying, like, your mother loved you so much that that's why Voldemort can't really hurt you. Yeah, and then 
you know, he gets to see Ron and Hermione and Hagrid, and Hagrid gives him the photo album, which I think is, like, the most touch, one of the most touching moments of this entire thing. Because um, they should have done that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think um, is just write to all their school friends and be like, please just send us pictures to Harry. I mean, he should have had this since he was a baby. He really should have. Um, so I thought that was a great moment. And then, you know, they end up beating Slytherin mm-hmm. um, for the House Cup because Dumbledore clearly favors Gryffindor. Um, and the breaking of school rules. He's all about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Our houses never stand a chance. No. So. Hufflepuff is always just, like, last. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to get into it. But, yeah. So that's the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I did think that on the very last page, there's, like, foreshadowing for the next book for Chamber of Secrets when Ron says he's going to write to them. Mm. And Harry never gets those letters, which sets us up for moving on to Chamber of Secrets. Yep. Yeah. So we will do, like I had mentioned before, we will do a, another episode of The Sorcerer's Stone where we watch the movie and then we make comparisons because um, there are a lot of things we left out from our notes that were mm-hmm. movie-related. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. we hope you enjoyed that. We hope you read along with us. We're very excited to reread through the series. Yeah. So. so let us know what you all think about some of the stuff that we picked up on. And you can always feel free to message us on Facebook and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. You can message us your thoughts there. Um, Follow us on Twitter and add us. And we're now on Patreon. Yeah, Um, Patreon. Which is basically a thing where you can become more involved in this podcast. Um, you can hang out with me and Sam. You can hear extra episodes based on topics you give us that you want us to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a way that, yes, it costs money, but it costs money because it, we're going to improve. Um, our first goal is to buy new recording equipment um, mm-hmm. so you guys can get the best of the best. Um Yeah, so we're really excited about that. And, again, message us if you have any questions about that. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yep. And thanks again to everyone who participated in our giveaway and we will see you all next week. Have a good week. Mischief managed.